Hi, this is Mark Babbitt, co-author of A World Gone Social, and you are listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. The App Guy Podcast. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And what I try to do is I try to find the most innovative people that I can go and speak to and uh, provide them, you know, served up to you and for your benefit. So if you are a, an indie app developer, maybe you, you fancy working for a startup, maybe you want to disrupt the world yourself. This is the podcast to listen to. So today I am joined by Sean Wycliffe. Now he is uh, really involved in some of my most favorite things, which is watching films and movies. I mean, I love going to the cinema and he is disrupting the cinema. So, uh, or I guess theatre, whatever the Americans call it. Uh, I call it cinema. So, uh, Sean, it's wonderful that you could join us on the App Guy podcast. Paul, thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much. Yeah, it's wonderful. Well, you are the CEO and uh, founder of DealFlix.com, and it's I love anything that's going to disrupt the movie industry because I just feel it's so antiquated. I mean, we get everything on demand, you know, on Netflix, uh, and yet... You know, I just feel that movies are ripe for dis- disruption. So perhaps you could start by just giving us a little introduction to yourself and uh, and your company. Yeah, absolutely. So DealFlix is kind of my second big stint as a, as a startup founder. Before that, I was going to school at UC Berkeley, and I had started this other company with my brother selling long-distance phone service door-to-door. And I was kind of doing that on the side to make some money, and it started going well. So when I was 19, I ended up buying this Porsche, dropping out of school, and moving to L.A. And my brother did the same thing. And we were both doing this, and within a year, we got the business to over a million in revenue. And, you know, I was really young and and cocky at that time, and so I ended up buying this Ferrari. My brother and I bought this million-dollar house, and we thought we were going to be billionaires. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we thought we were, we were done. We made it. And lo and behold, the company that we were selling with, they actually declared bankruptcy in November 2004. So we ended up pretty much losing everything and having to start over selling refurbished cell phones. And so we did that, started to build that back up, uh, eventually got that to over a million in revenue again. I went back to school, though, and ended up uh, graduating UC Berkeley in December 2010. And after that is when I had the idea for DealFlix. I've always been a big movie fan ever since I was young, whether it was watching VHS tapes or movies on TV and then eventually movies online and at the theater opening weekend, wherever it was, I was always watching movies. And so when I graduated, I saw the movie The King's Speech, which was a great movie, but the theater was empty. And so that's when I had the idea for DealFlix. And what DealFlix would be is Priceline for movie tickets. We'd take these empty seats that theaters have and we could sell them for up to 6% off on our iPhone app, Android app, or website. And that way they could get butts in their empty seats. And so I started doing some research. Couldn't really find anyone else doing it. But I did find that there were a ton of empty seats. And there were still over $40 billion that were spent in the industry on tickets, popcorn, and soda every year. And so I saw an opportunity there and started working on getting a team together and getting our first theater on board. Well, we're going to go all into the journey because I'm really looking forward to that. The fact that you've actually identified this as uh, a problem. I mean, it's a a problem that we can all see every time we go to the cinema, no matter where we are. 
And uh, yeah, the King's Speech, absolutely. Uh, I remember the packed out cinemas for three weeks and then dead after that, you know, after the, the band camp had gone. But I have to pick up, before we start going into deal flicks, I have to pick up on your earlier start as an entrepreneur because a lot of the Appster tribe, the developers, you know, wannabe developers listening to this right now are attracted by the big headlines we see in the, the press that all these uh, founders are making, you know, millions and you've been through this twice. And uh, I'd love to know what it felt like to get your first $1 million company. And, you know, did you feel that you really made it? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was set up a little differently. It was set up as a small business. And so there were me and a few partners. And we generate revenues. And we kind of pay our expenses and split uh, whatever the difference was. And so we had it set up as a small business. There were, wasn't that much press surrounding it. Um, there wasn't that many people that knew what we were doing, but we were making money. And as a young person, having some of the toys that came with it, we were pretty cocky. We thought we had made it uh, along with all of our other friends that we graduated high school with. Some of our friends from college, they kind of knew what we were doing. And uh, so we felt, we felt really good about ourselves. I think what was interesting for me is a lot of people said, hey, Sean, you should maybe save your money or you know, just kind of prepare for something that might not work out. And I was really set on this working out and there's no way this thing can fail. And lo and behold, it fails. And so I uh, had really over leveraged myself. I got to the point where my personal bills were about $10,000 a month. Um, and my uh, income after, you know, old expense and everything like that was maybe a little under 10000 a month. And so when the, when the music stopped, I, I kind of was sitting there holding an empty bank account in my hands. And I, I basically had to flip some of the stuff out and, and move back in with my dad. And so I ended up living with my dad for a little bit. Um, and that was good. I mean, we had a chance to kind of repair our relationship and become, become good friends, but I was still having to move back in with my dad. And um, <laughs> it, was, it was difficult. It was tough. It was humbling. Um, in, in that process, I ended up getting involved with ministry with my church full time uh, for about two years while I was still building out of the business up too. And that was really good for my character and, and for me just to have some perspective on life and what matters. And you know, then I went back to school, and I was a little older this time around, and so I, I really cared about just learning and taking advantage of that opportunity. And then when DealFlix came around, I think my attitude toward it this time was a lot different than my last business. You know, before it was all about getting rich and trying to build something as big and quick as possible. Um, with DealFlix, it was a little different. The attitude was more, hey, there's this huge problem in this huge industry it just makes so much sense that this is solved. Why hasn't this been solved? And so the initial impetus was really trying to figure out why someone else hadn't done this before because it's not really like a idea that no one's thought of before. I'm sure there's been maybe close to a million people that have thought of this. And so my, my first investigation was why hasn't this been done before and why isn't this being done right now and can this be done? And so there's a lot of research and investigation on that side. And then once it looked like there was a potential to do something here, it was, it was more about the building of it. It was more about building something that was awesome uh, versus trying to make money get rich. And so that's, that's still what it's been about. It's been about trying to fix this problem for theaters because it's a huge problem. As you know, there's a lot of empty seats and it's a huge industry that, you know, as you mentioned, hasn't really done too much on the tech side aside from going from film to digital or 3D or you know, now there have some improvements in terms of the quality of seating and luxury cinemas, but there hasn't been too much that's been done, and so it's it's really about trying to do something awesome uh, in an industry that provides some really cool things that we love. I mean, we all love watching movies, we all love watching films, 
we watch so many of these things every single year. And so we're trying to improve that experience both for customers, theaters, and the studios. Now, this is really exciting stuff, but I'm just so glad that you are very authentically going through your initial journey. And we all have to take our own journeys, don't we, as entrepreneurs? And that's the one thing that I just wanted to reinforce to the uh, the audience, the apps, the tribe listening to this right now, is that they have to find their own journey. And, you know, what I've learned from what you've said is that, you know, perhaps things have changed. No longer is it worthwhile to just go for the money, go for that Porsche you know, feel that we've made it. I mean, we did have a, an episode where we talked about what motivates millennials and it's having a purpose, having, a, you know, doing something uh, worthwhile in life and making a difference and helping others. And uh, I just kind of, that's reinforced how I feel about, you know, this entrepreneurial journey and uh, the, the things that we're learning. So uh, let's go into the, the deal flicks then. So, you, you know, you found this problem. You, how did you go about uh, approaching the theatres and, and did you get some sort of resistance, I guess, when you uh, came up with the idea and started approaching some of the, the, the movie uh, theatres? Yeah, that's a great question. So I, it was a really interesting beginning because there's basically two things that we needed to do. We needed to build the app and we needed to get a theatre to sign on so we could actually launch with this thing. And so my background had predominantly been sales. I had done some website development, nothing crazy while I was in college, but that wasn't really my forte. And so I figured, you know, I probably need to get a technical co-founder on board and I probably need to get a theater to sign on. And so for getting a technical co-founder on board, there's really nothing that you can do other than just network like crazy. And so I went ahead and did that. And I had one of my old roommates from college that was really great at what he did. He ended up founding this company from YC called 500 Friends. And we met, he really loved the idea. Their company was considering selling at that time. And so he was thinking, oh, I'll jump into this. And so I figured, oh, this is great. I already have my, my team on board. This is great. And so the only next step was to get a theater on board. And so I made a little presentation deck talking about the empty seats and the industry and what some other people are doing and what they could do with us and how that would work. And I mocked up a little bit of what the website would look like and, and that whole thing. And so I made a list of about 100 movie theaters in the Bay Area that were near me. And I just had that on an Excel spreadsheet. And I decided, you know what? Let me just hit these up. So I started making some phone calls. It was hard to get a hold of people. And then I said, you know what? Let me just jump in my car and drive around and start talking to people. They're not that far from me. So I started just driving from theater to theater. And I did that over the course of a few days uh, just to get some FaceTime. And I found that most of the theaters had managers there and the decision makers weren't actually there. Uh, but I did get a chance to run into a couple decision makers. And uh, at least one or two of them gave me meetings. It was really interesting because one of the first theaters I talked to was this theater called Arinda Theater. And the person I met with there had a meeting right on the spot. He loved it. He said, yeah, sign me up. I'm in. And so I was thinking, oh, this is not too bad. I got my team in place and I got my first theater on board. This is going to, this is going to be cake. This is going to be easy. Um, <laughs> well, that was, that was literally like in March, 2011, we didn't end up launching our company till over a year later. And the thing that happened was my technical co-founder that I thought I had, his company didn't sell. So he stayed with his company. They raised some more money. And then I went through one, two, three, four other technical co-founders before my current co-founder, Zach, joined us. And in the process, I learned how to code and program and at least throw up like a little website that worked for, you know, the first couple of months. And so that was a lot more difficult of a process than I thought. And then the next part with the theater is that theater, I went back there about a month later and they had fired that person that I made the deal with because he apparently had done some shady deals with other people. <laughs> they didn't like that. And so I had to go back to the drawing board and it wasn't until 
my other co-founder Kevin came on board a few months later, and then both of us were working on theaters, and it wasn't until a year later, uh, basically out in, in April 2012, that we finally launched with one theater location down in LA. So it was really a, a tough process, just getting the team in place and then getting that first theater on board so we could launch. Yeah, this is what we have to learn from you is it's not easy because if it was easy, then everyone would be doing it. And in, in a way, you know, apps have become quite easy to, you know, get on the app store and to create. We've had uh, actually a lot of interviews on this show where they've created some tools that make it easy for apps. But, you know, what you've what we've learned from you is that we could go out and hustle for, you know, the the opportunities, just try and open doors. And it, t- it takes hard work, perseverance, um, passion and i'm guessing you didn't pay yourself probably over that year that you were building the company out so uh, just that that is an inspiration to us all and and we often read about these overnight successes and we think we can emulate that and uh, and what people maybe neglect to think about is you know these stories like you're telling us where it's just incredibly hard work and you have to just keep going and persevering and ultimately then you get the break so we're, we're going forward in your journey and you, you you had the team now in place you've gone through all the co-founders you've found you know the right team what was it like when you got your first big break and you had I guess a few sort of theaters sign up and you knew that it was just going to take off yeah yeah that's a great question so we got this one theater Gardena signed on and, and our theory in that at that time had been as long as we can get a theater on board and launch this website this thing is going to sell itself I mean who wouldn't want a discount movie ticket and so I remember launching in LA with this one theater and they were playing this movie The Three Stooges which you know obviously didn't do that well but we thought hey it should, it should do okay so we go out there and we do all this marketing on the ground tons of guerrilla marketing I remember one of the things that we were doing is we were going into the local high schools right next to the movie theater and we would put little flyers inside everyone's locker and so my co-founder Kevin and I did this because uh, we were just like how can we get the word out right now right next to the theater and I remember we, we even, you know, went into a couple girls' locker rooms and guys' locker rooms and just, like, threw, threw the flyers in there. Anything we could do to get the word out. And so finally, you know, comes the day when, when we're launched and we're looking at our website hits and, and all that stuff and the traffic coming in. Um, and I don't think we sold one ticket. And all of a sudden, it was 4 or 5 p.m. And finally, someone's online and they're saying they're about to buy. They want to buy right now. And, and something's going on with the website. And we're like, oh my goodness, we got to fix this website. So I'm trying to find out what the bug is and trying to fix it and also trying to chat with them. And we're chatting with them for three. And it was, it was just heartbreaking because the guy's like, oh, I'm, I'm clicking buy and it won't buy. And we just want to sell our first ticket so bad. And so um, <laughs> anyways, after like 30 minutes of this, the person says, oh, hi, just kidding. I live, I think, somewhere like 1,000 miles away. And he was just friends with one of our guys just giving us a hard time. And <laughs> that was like the most devastating. <laughs> that is a horrible prank. Yeah, that was really bad for us because... We just thought, all right, as we build it, it will work, and that didn't happen at all. So it wasn't until probably a month later that we started to get like a couple tickets sold here and there. And then my co-founder, Zach, came on board. He trashed our old website. He put up a new one. And then uh, the thing that really started to get us going in the early days was some press. And so what happened was there was another company called Chimpflix, which actually started after we started. And they had this tech cocktail competition in Virginia that they won. And so they had a couple of articles about them. And so we were like, oh my goodness, these guys started after us. They're doing the same thing that we're doing. We got to like beat them and launch quicker. We ended up launching before they launched. And in fact, they actually never launched. But once we launched, I emailed Killer Startups and Tech Cocktail who wrote articles about them. And I said, essentially, hey guys, 
we are basically like Chimflix, except for we started before them and we actually launched. You guys should write something about us. Uh, obviously, you like what they're doing. We're doing the same thing and we've been doing it for a while. So <laughs> Killer Startups actually wrote on us based on that. And we got our first article out. And that actually got us some hits and, and, and our web traffic started to grow a little bit. And then from there, we started cold calling reporters um, just regionally that were near some of our movie theaters. And so now this is kind of early summer 2012. And we got a couple of small articles written. I remember there was this one senior citizens in paper called the Brattleboro Reformer, like way out there in Massachusetts that <laughs> did like a one paragraph thing in their <laughs> physical newspaper. And we got zero hits off of it. We were excited about that. And so the big break came, I think, when we called the Oakland Tribune. We had this one movie theater in Oakland that we had signed up, which was about three miles from my, my apartment. Um, and so we called the Oakland Tribune. My, my co-founder, Kevin, called them. Uh, they said they're interested in doing a piece on us because we were incorporated in Oakland. We had a theater in Oakland. I lived in Oakland. Um, I went to school at Berkeley right there. So they thought it was a good story. So we meet with her. She does a story. And the story starts getting picked up. It got syndicated maybe about 30 times online. And the thing really blew up. We got an NBC and a CBS piece out of that in the Bay Area. And that really started to give us some momentum. And we took that, shopped it back to the theaters that we had been talking to and just showed them, hey, we're, we're blowing up. We got so much momentum. And then we started getting more theaters. And then that was really what I think started to kick it off in a good direction. And from there, we ended up getting into 500 startups, which happened basically in that fall, fall 2012. Um, and that, that kind of took us to the next phase of our company because once we got into 500 startups, things really started to grow pretty quickly. This is an amazing story and I almost felt like I was there with you and celebrating, you know, when you got that, that big win. And you know, what, what's interesting, Sean, is that I think it sounded like, you know, when you had your big break and you were at least um, getting a lot more traffic to your side and, and you knew that it was a viable uh, idea. But prior to that, you were probably doing the same thing. And, you know, the only difference in the break was the uh, the fact that you kept like hounding these reporters and cold calling and getting um, the press and then, you know, some bigger press picked you up. And, uh, and it just shows you that the difference between success and failure can be just so you know thin and uh, maybe you could talk to that point as well because I think that that could we could learn a lot from that yeah absolutely so there's one there's one really distinct instance that that's kind of pokes out in my mind when you mention that and this goes back to the fall of 2011 what had happened before that is I had two technical co-founders myself and I had another business development co-founder and you know, we had a great team that summer and, and we had a contract with a theater that had actually signed, but they didn't end up going live till maybe a year and a half later because we couldn't do the tech side that they needed to do. But in any case, things were going along well. And then what happened was my BizDev co-founder decided that he wanted to step back and go back to college um, to study something. And so he left and that was kind of devastating. We were also roommates too. And so that was not that exciting. But then one of my other tech co-founders was working at Google and he decided that he was going to just do that and not do anything else on the side. And so I was down to me and one other guy. Another guy was not good at all. I mean, he had graduated Berkeley with electrical engineering, computer science, and you know, seemed like he'd be going to pay for but he never really built apps. And so he was busy at work too. And so that wasn't working out. So finally, I, I realized, you know, it's, it's got to, this is not working out. So then it, it ended up just being me. And I remember for about a month, it was just me. And you know, I was thinking, okay, if, if now is the time to quit, this is the time because I'm not letting anyone down. It's not like I brought anyone to this thing and I'm quitting before them. It's just me now. 
and nothing is going well here at all. Nothing is going right. And so I, I definitely considered quitting at that time. Um, instead, what I ended up doing is I said, you know what, this is a great time for me to like hone my skills as a programmer and just develop this app myself. And so I took that time to basically just learn programming and, and kind of brush up on my back end so I could actually build the, the first working demo of this thing. Uh, and that's kind of what I chalked it up as, like, at least this will be a learning experience for me. And so after that, my co-founder, Kevin, somehow contacted me serendipitously, and he came on, and then things started to grow from there. Uh, but yeah, there was that period of a few weeks to a month where I really considered quitting. And I think a lot of it was the perspective on it. I, I kind of went into this with the idea of this is going to be a great experience, and I can learn some things along the way. This is my first tech startup, my first pure tech startup. Um, but if I had just gone in with the, with the idea of I want to make money and make this thing work and grow and you know that kind of thing, I, I definitely would have quit at that time um, as opposed to just using that as a learning experience. But that, that was one of the tough times because it was just me. And then after that, my co-founder Kevin came on and, and things started to perpetuate from there. Again, we've learned so much because I know that there's people listening right now who've had those same thoughts. You know, we, we wouldn't be human if we didn't have, you know, like we weren't uh, affected by uh, you know, some of the downs that we go through and some of the ups. And so that's just, you know, again, really inspirational listening to you there, Sean, and just the fact that, you know, you're on a knife edge uh, in that period of time. And then things went and worked out. And uh, you obviously learned some stuff in the process. So maybe it's a case of what I'm learning from you is just to enjoy the journey and accept that, you know, the difference between success and failure is so small. And it's just the, the, the fact that we keep learning, we keep pushing, we keep being persistent. And eventually, you know, either, you know, something will work out or we've at least learned a lot and more valuable uh, and more talented as a, as a process. Um, so where, where are you now then where, in terms of the app and the uh, and dealfix.com? Perhaps you can give us a, a taste of uh, how successful you've made it. Yeah, yeah. So things really started to grow after we got into Fiverr and the startups. That was in fall 2012. We started fundraising for our seed round at the beginning of 2013. And so um, we did that in two tranches. We did a tranche in the first part of 2013. Uh, and then we kind of extended our seed round at the beginning of 2014 and ended up raising about a little over 1.7, 1.8 million through that. And so that was a really cool experience because it's my first time fundraising for a tech startup, but also it was able to give us enough money to make a lot of hires. So we grew our team from just the three founders who had been working for nothing. Uh, we started stipending ourselves as founders in November 2012. So, um, you know, for me, it had been almost two years. For Kevin, it was about a, year, a little over a year. And then for Zach, it was almost a year uh, where we weren't getting paid. And so we were able to stipend ourselves a little bit. We added people on the team. Um, we now have about eight uh, full-time people half engineers, half sales, and then we also have a couple of part-time marketing people. So the team size is pretty nice now. Uh, we have the kind of team size that we need to build the things we need to build and get the deals done that we need to get done and, and support our customers and do marketing. So we feel pretty good about our team size now. Um, also, we've grown quite a bit on theaters. So we went from just a couple theaters in the early days. We're now in over 400 signed locations across the United States, and um, that's continuing to grow. We also have nine of the top 50 movie theater chains here in the U.S. that are partners of ours. And we also have another 10 uh, verbal commitments from other top 50 chains. So things are really progressing on the theater side, and that's been growing quite a bit. And then on our product side, it's been really awesome. We actually initially started as uh, just a website. That was our first approach, is to build the website first so we could rapidly iterate through that and kind of find product market fit. And then once we found, we found product market fit, 
uh, we decided that we wanted to build our iPhone app out and then our Android app. And so we ended up starting uh, building our iPhone app out at the beginning of 2013 and we launched in March 2013 and then we launched our Android app in uh, May 2013. And so those apps have grown. Um, the iPhone app's been featured five times now, the Android app's been featured once. Um, all in all, we have close to 200,000 users now uh, and it's, it's been growing and in terms of you know, revenues, we, we've actually surpassed the uh, I think 1.7 or 1.8 annual revenue run rate now in revenues and um, last month we sold a little over 50,000 tickets and concessions. Um, so things are really growing you know, across the board, ticket sales, concession sales, revenue, users, you name it. And so yeah, as a company now, we're just focused on the next phase, which is getting to profitability getting to cash flow positive, which we think we can do by the end of this year. Uh, we might even raise a, a formal price round sometime potentially later this year, early next year, and then continue to grow from there. What a fascinating story. So there's actually a lot of similarities with that and the other uh, founder that we've had on the show called uh, Francis Pedraza, who's the founder of Everest. And uh, I know because he, I think, raised a similar amount to you uh, with about the same number of people. Um, he was going through a burn rate, though, of about 100000 per month because he piled a lot of money into the development of the process and uh, didn't have a very good, I guess, a, a solid revenue model, um, hence had to cut the team. So it sounds like your your idea is, is really good because you've actually got this revenue stream coming in from the sale of the tickets, and it's, it's real, it's live, and... Uh, and then, you know, you can turn, turn this thing into a profitable um, venture. And then who knows where it goes? I mean, I can't wait until it comes over here, to be frank, you know, in the UK. We, we desperately need it. Yeah, absolutely. We actually went up to Canada a few months ago and met with a lot of the larger Canadian exhibitors up there. So we're looking at starting international expansion sometime soon. It, it's possible we might even go international later this year, more than likely early next year. And yeah, I think Canada would be our first bet. And then probably the UK after that. So hopefully we'll be out there sometime soon. Yeah, the, the UK is a huge market for you. And, you know, at the end of the day, there's a, there's a mobile phone company over here called uh, Orange, and they have uh, this thing called Orange Wednesday where you get two-for-one tickets for the cinema, and it's packing out the cinema totally. You know, there's always queues to get in. It's very popular. It's been going for years and years. And uh, it's because Wednesday is considered like a, a pretty slow day for cinema. So you know that there's a lot of pent up demand. Now, if you're looking for a couple of ideas, Sean, uh, I'm happy to help out. And uh, one is that I spend a bit of time in Dubai and uh, they, their cinema, you know, they have luxury. I mean, you know, if you're a Porsche lover, there's Porsches, Ferraris everywhere. But in terms of going to the cinema, you get a, um, a Michelin star, f f uh, five, five, I think it's five courses whilst watching the, the film oh wow yeah yeah so you, you actually go into the cinema get these really luxurious uh seats i think it's a vip cinema so the whole cinema is your own vip cinema and so it's only for the premium members you know who have the gold card or something and you actually get served a proper meal uh like a yeah a very you know proper cooked uh, a la carte meal <laughs> which uh, I think you eat beforehand. I mean, I didn't experience this, but I think you get to eat that beforehand and then watch the cinema, uh, the film, uh, uh, only in Dubai, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of new luxury theaters that are popping up here in the States. And it's not so much eating beforehand, but they'll have really nice couches or really nice chairs that you can sit in. And they'll either have food service 
at your chair, or you can order really good food and then they'll bring it out to you. But that's starting to really become a trend over here in the States, as well as reserve seating, which is kind of commonplace in a lot of other countries. But there's some really cool things that are happening. And what's nice about DealFlix is when theaters go ahead and innovate in those ways, we can actually partner with them just the same that we'd partner with your normal everyday movie theater. And so we do have a couple of partners that do have the luxury seating and, and the dine-in experience. Yeah, and before we bring this to a close, I do have to uh, say that the other idea, because we love coming up with ideas on this show, we, we try and come up with one every episode. And I'm just thinking, you know, one of my biggest um, ideas for cinemas is that often like a big movie comes out but you know i've got kids and it's really hard to get to that you know two three week window that the film is running and so i would love an on-demand not well maybe not on demand but certainly a voting system whereby you know if enough people voted for a film then uh they the cinema would actually play it and then we could pay for it uh almost like a groupon for cinemas yeah so yeah 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 um that's a really great idea and there's actually two really cool companies that are doing that. I don't know if you've heard of a company called Tug, T-U-G-G. I'm not sure if this no. is out in the UK or not, but you can check it out, T-U-G-G.com. That's one of them. And there is another company, I can't believe the name's skipping me right now, but basically another company does the same thing. And it's basically what you said. Yeah, it's on-demand experience. So you can say, I want to see this movie in this area, and if enough people say they want to see it, then the theater will book it and you'll get your tickets and you can go in there. And so... It's <laughs> always, uh, you know, that's the thing about this innovative space we're in. There's always some other company that's doing... Yeah, doing yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, crazy. the thing that I've learned, Sean, is that, you know, you had someone that came out after you and was getting more press than you, but you beat them in the end of the day because you had sheer pers perseverance behind you. Yeah, yeah. I think what I've learned in, in this business or in business in general is... It's kind of one of, one of as, as long as you can win on your own, like whether or not you're the only one or one of a hundred, doesn't really matter because if, if you're the best and biggest one, obviously that's great. But if you're the second or third to the gate, as long as you can build a big enough business, you might get bigger than them and you could buy them or they might buy you. And those aren't too bad of an outcome. So <laughs> as long as you can create some kind of business that can stand on its own, you should be all right. But because there's, there's just so many competitors always kind of fly, flying around out there. And, you know, even, even with us, we've had some people that have seemed to kind of be new competitors in our space, but they never really actually launched or whatever it might be. And, and that created a lot of craziness. So now as, as founders, we just try not to even worry about anything that's going around outside of us. And just we focus on what we need to do. We need to expand our footprint by getting more theater partners. And then we need to do more marketing, get more tickets sold, get more concessions sold. Um, get our customers to become repeat customers and buy more. And as long as we can do that and provide a good experience, really doesn't matter what else is going on out there in the world because we're going we're gonna to grow our business. And Sean, before we say goodbye, the, the final thing I, I was just thinking about is that you were very kind enough to give uh, your users 200,000. Do you know roughly the split between like who's using iPhone, who's using Android, and who's actually then coming through your website as a user. Yeah, yeah. I don't have the exact numbers on me, but it's, it's probably about half and half at this point. Um, we initially were web just so we could iterate really, really quickly. But then once we came out with our apps, they've been taking bigger and bigger market share away from our web. And so both of those things are growing. But yeah, we do have a lot of people using our, our web and mobile, mobile websites as well. Probably about half and half mobile and web right now. Yeah, no, it's just interesting to, to learn that. So um, you've inspired me, no doubt, inspired a lot of the people listening. How best can we reach out and connect with you? 
Yeah, I mean, my, my email is great. It's just sean at dealflix.com, S-E-A-N at dealflix.com. And you can always email founders at dealflix.com to get a hold of our founding team. And we're pretty accessible, I feel. So we, we do get emails, but we try to read everything that comes through. And, you know, we, we uh, get back to you if, you if you reach out to us. We love when people reach out to us. So. <laughs> Well, Sean, I can honestly say that that is one of the most inspirational stories, just hearing you go through it. And, you know, it's made me feel better about the ups and the downs that, you know, I go through in terms of doing a daily podcast show and uh, being being an app developer. And just knowing that there are those times when you just persevere and things seem to be going against you. And uh, if you get through those hard times, then you know, that it makes those ups a lot more enjoyable, I'm guessing. So uh, what a wonderful journey. And uh, it's just going to go from strength to strength. We'd love to have you back anytime. And uh, I'm sure this is not going to be the last thing you end up doing either. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully DealFlix will take over the world and then I won't have to do anything else. But <laughs> we, more well, than likely. Got the, I mean, if it, if it was spelled F-I-F-L-I-X. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're still considering buying that domain name. Somebody else had it. And so we have dealflix.co, but yeah, we, uh, we're, we're still considering that. We'll see. If you Google dealflix, yeah, the next uh, well, I mean, they've just, uh, just announced, in fact, I think that they're on a par with HBO in terms of the number of subscribers, perhaps, uh, Netflix mm. and, and HBO. Wow, so. yeah, I'm not too surprised. Netflix is pretty phenomenal. Well, Sean, it's been wonderful talking with you. Uh, thanks for disrupting the uh, movie goers and uh, the cinema scene. And uh, all the best to you and your team, your team of eight. And uh, uh, it's been a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Awesome. Thanks so much. And for all of you that are listening out there, if you have a movie theater near you that's not on DealFlix, just go up to the manager at that theater or email them or write them a letter and just tell them to sign up with DealFlix because that's one of the best ways that we can add theaters near you. Wonderful. Thanks, Sean. All right. Thanks so much, Paul. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to be a guest on the show or suggest someone, then please send an email to info at onemob.com. The App Guy Podcast.